Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Kelly Dry Full Spectrum is produced twice monthly, and show notes are available at www.kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog, comlawmonitor.com. All links are in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. Welcome. I'm Steve Augustino, a partner in the Communications Practice Group of Kelly Dry and Warren. It is my pleasure to be here with you today for our next installment of our monthly series examining developments and trends in FCC enforcement. This episode discusses cases from September 2016 through the third week in October 2016. I have several interesting orders to discuss with you this time. As I record this, only two weeks before the presidential election, we are seeing a lot of activity from the FCC Enforcement Bureau. There have been persistent rumors that FCC Enforcement Bureau Chief Travis LeBlanc is planning to leave the commission. I don't know if these rumors are true, although turnover after a presidential election is not uncommon. But if they are, Mr. LeBlanc seems intent on doubling down on his legacy of aggressive, principle-based FCC enforcement. We see that in the cases I want to discuss today, cases involving service provider marketing, consumer billing practices, and improper or deceptive practices. First, a few statistics. According to the FCC's document management system, the Bureau released 40 items in the seven-week time period this episode covers. This includes three forfeiture orders, six notices of apparent liability, six consent decrees, two citations, one revocation of authority, and one admonishment order. There was an uptick in spectrum items this month, although the headline-grabbing actions concern telecom and internet services. So let me start with the biggest item of the time period, a $48 million settlement with T-Mobile over data-throttling allegations involving its mobile internet services. Coming on the heels of a $100 million NAL against AT&T last year, and AT&T's victory in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals involving a related Federal Trade Commission investigation, the Enforcement Bureau showed that it's not about to slow down its aggressive enforcement of the open Internet regulations. On October 19th, the FCC announced the settlement resolving claims that T-Mobile failed to adequately disclose material restrictions on T-Mobile and MetroPCS data plans that were advertised as unlimited from August 2014 to June 2015. Specifically, the FCC's investigation found that T-Mobile failed to adequately disclose that it would significantly slow the speed of its consumers' unlimited data after they reached preset, undisclosed thresholds for data usage. The FCC premised its action on its Open Internet Proceeding Transparency Rule, which requires Internet service providers to publicly disclose accurate information about the technical and financial terms under which they offer services. While ISPs may be permitted to implement data management practices, for example throttling, to address network congestion, the transparency rule requires that ISPs provide specific information related to those practices. This information includes the types of traffic subject to practices, the purposes served by the practices, the effects of the practices on end users' experience, the criteria used in those practices, and the typical frequency of congestion usage limits and the consequences of exceeding them. 
At a minimum, ISPs must prominently display or provide links to these disclosures on a publicly available, easily accessible website that is available to current and prospective end users. In addition, the transparency rule requires an ISP's advertising to be accurate and consistent with its disclosed practices. In its investigation, the FCC asserted that several necessary disclosures were missing from T-Mobile's advertising. Specifically, the FCC alleged that from August 2014 until June 12, 2015, T-Mobile's disclosures did not inform consumers of, number one, the specific data thresholds that triggered the deprioritization, two, how application of the deprioritization could impact consumers' ability to use data services, three, the specific service speed reductions that consumers could face, and four, the types of apps and data services that could be adversely affected. The FCC announced a $48 million settlement of the investigation, but following a recent trend, not all of that $48 million represents a fine to the company. Instead, T-Mobile agrees to provide up to $35 million in consumer benefits, including giving consumers a 20% discount on the price of any in-stock accessory to certain customers with unlimited data plans, and to giving a four gigabyte upgrade to unlimited plan consumers who subscribe to a mobile data service under either the T-Mobile or Metro PCS brands. In addition, T-Mobile agrees to provide at least $5 million in mobile broadband service and devices to students at low-income schools. Now, to the extent that a portion of the $35 million in consumer benefits are not provided, the remainder will be added to the E-rate bucket. So only $7.5 million of the total is a civil forfeiture to the Treasury. Notably, no consumer refunds are included in this settlement. As the FCC's role as a self-professed consumer watchdog continues to grow, so does the apparent FCC's apparent willingness to be creative in its enforcement settlements. Broadband providers should take heed of this new, more flexible approach to resolution of investigations. One final note related to the FCC's open internet investigation. A few days before the FCC released the settlement, the Federal Trade Commission petitioned the Ninth Circuit for rehearing in the AT&T data throttling case brought by the FTC. The FTC's lead argument is that the court's decision allegedly creates an enforcement gap because, quote, no other federal agency has the FTC's breadth of authority to protect consumers from many unfair or deceptive practices across the economy and to obtain redress for consumer harm, end quote. In support, the FTC argues that the FCC's jurisdiction, by contrast, is limited to matters for and in connection with common carrier service, and unlike the FTC, the FCC cannot collect consumer redress and is subject to a one-year statute of limitations. As we noted in our Commonwealth Monitor blog posts on this subject, the resolution of this case could reset the boundaries between FTC and FCC jurisdiction in significant ways. This case should be followed closely by those entities that are potentially in the crosshairs of both agencies. Our next case concerns a familiar enforcement topic, billing consumers for services they allegedly did not authorize, but breaks new ground in doing so. On October 11th, the FCC announced a $2.3 million settlement with Comcast Corporation to resolve an investigation into whether Comcast wrongfully charged cable TV customers for services and equipment that those customers never authorized. 
This prohibited practice, which the commission refers to as negative option billing, is cable's functional equivalent to the telco practice commonly referred to as cramming. This is, we believe, the FCC's first enforcement action premised on the rule prohibiting negative option billing in cable services. It also is, according to the FCC's press release, the largest civil penalty assessed from a cable operator by the FCC. Notably, even in settlement, Comcast and the FCC could not agree on the scope of the negative option prohibition. Comcast contends that the rule is not a per se prohibition on negative options, but instead is targeted at practices that are affirmatively deceptive or involve a demonstrated pattern of violation. Most of the FCC's contentions, as a result, appear in the order adopting the consent decree, not in the consent decree itself. Nevertheless, Comcast agrees to pay a civil penalty of $2.3 million and to implement billing changes that appear to have been modeled on the cramming settlements the FCC entered into with wireless carriers in 2015. In the more traditional slamming and cramming context, the FCC continued to be active. On September 15th, it issued forfeiture orders to three affiliated long-distance carriers that it found had deceived consumers into signing up for a dial-around service that would be billed on their local telephone bills. The FCC alleged that the companies misled consumers into believing the companies were calling on behalf of their current local telephone carrier and misused the consumer's answers in order to confirm a carrier change. The Commission assessed a total of $11 million in fines against these three companies. On a related front, the FCC took action against another carrier, LDC Telecommunications, alleged to have engaged in slamming. Now, you may recall LDC from my July podcast. LDC is the entity to which the FCC issued its unusually titled Order to Pay or to Show Cause over the summer. As I predicted in that podcast, the FCC quickly revoked LDC's authorization to provide interstate telecommunications services. The Commission's discussion is notably short, but nevertheless precedent-setting. It stated, quote, In these circumstances, when an entity fails to pay its regulatory fees for multiple years and fails to respond to multiple Commission inquiries into those delinquent debts, revocation is appropriate. That's a pretty broad assertion, particularly for an entity that, as I discussed in July, owed approximately $4,000 to the Commission and appeared to already be out of business when the FCC issued its order to pay or to show cause. To add to the backstory, the FCC issued an accompanying admonishment order to LDC with the revocation order. In the order, the FCC admonished LDC for slamming complaints received between 2008 and 2012, well outside the FCC's one-year statute of limitations even taking into account the FCC's expansive continuing violation theories. Some of those complaints led to a 2012 notice of parent liability to LDC in the amount of $1.1 million. LDC duly responded to that NEL, but now, nearly five years later, the FCC still had not issued a forfeiture order. Moreover, under a separate statute of limitations for collection of penalties imposed by the Commission, the agency was beyond the time allotted to collect the proposed fine, even if it had formally issued it. Hence, the FCC admonished LDC for its violations. Finally, I just want to take note of an unusual order relating to a party's obligation to provide truthful information to the FCC in applications. In September, the FCC entered into a consent decree with Siemens Corporation, 
for failing to disclose two corporate felony convictions in numerous wireless license applications filed by Siemens or its subsidiaries. In 2008, Siemens reached a settlement with the United States in a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act investigation in which Siemens, among other things, pleaded guilty to criminal violations of the accounting provisions of the FCPA. In addition, an affiliate, Siemens Medical, pleaded guilty in 2007 to a single federal charge of obstruction of justice in connection with a 2000 to 2001 civil matter. In the FCC settlement, Siemens admits that it failed to disclose these two convictions in many of its FCC applications. It agreed to pay a civil penalty of $175,000 and to establish a compliance plan in order to ensure future compliance with the communications laws, including the provisions requiring truthful disclosures to the Commission. This case serves as a reminder to applicants and practitioners alike that due diligence is required in all applications to the FCC. That's it for this episode. Check back with us next month for another discussion of recent releases by the FCC Enforcement Bureau. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or ideas held by Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.